and more purposefully um, fight for our freedoms. Sure. Um, okay. And they 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 like that, you know. They uh, so uh, James, who's they're actually uh, they're separate attorneys. One works for a a a bigger firm. The other is independent, but they work together, and and they're looking at. Um, you know, the actual firm would be, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how that would be structured yet. So that's kind of why I'm waiting on their proposal. And that's why I can't give you a super clear answer on that. Cause I want to see what they're proposing based on me expressing our mission. Okay. So, um, so the short answer is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the longer answer is, um, well, it's how I typically hire is I hire the people, not necessarily the you know just the position um right the, okay to me oftentimes the positions can be malleable um where you know a person's character i, I think you, you just can't substitute that absolutely i would agree and and uh you know james you know just to give you an idea i think he had already had his his um already passed the bar and was an acting attorney and when 9 11 came along he joined the military and became a black hawk pilot so huh. th those oh, yeah. are the kind of people that i want <laughs> so just just to give you an idea i want that guy in my foxhole yeah exactly um i feel those are you know the kinds of people that are are ambitious and um and then mark uh the other gentleman he has worked on a lot of um defending civil cases so if there was a you know a plane like a commercial airliner went down um he was representing uh you know people that were on the plane okay um, so that's more of, of the defensive side um but you know you get a team you can have offense and defense and that's what was important to me okay so um yeah so any other questions while we're on the topic of, of legal. Great. <laughs> I'm going to take um, that Structure. Um, we're, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be learning as much as uh, a lot of you guys as well. Um, I've never put together a nonprofit. All I've, I've built a number of companies. I've consulted for companies, but it's all in the for-profit world. Um, so d putting together a, a nonprofit is new to me and, um, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to not put the cart before the horse, but it becomes mm -hmm. again, the cyclic circle conversation of, well, who puts together the board of directors? Well, the board of directors does. Right. It's a <laughs> self-appointing, uh, uh, committee. Right. So, so we're, uh, and I think we need to have more exposure to have enough people to choose from, you know? So, but we can't like, I don't want to turn on a lot of exposure right now because we're not structured. Right. So you, we're you very see, see the young problem. and in the infancy stage. Right. So right now we're kind of a ragtag informal group. Um, and once, uh, you know, we get the, the, the legal structure in place and we can, we can start, put some of this other stuff in place 
Um, So what we want to do is we want to keep moving forward in any way we can that's not going to uh, get us in a bind or paint us into a corner. And that's why I think research is is important. Um, You know, there, there are things that are happening that I wouldn't have been able to foresee. People are already starting conversations. Zoe, what she's already putting together a podcast. Um, so I, we keep doing that and uh, just you know keep the forward momentum going. And once we get some of the stuff more officiated, we're gonna we're gonna have a good foundation. Yeah. The, the the I guess the reason I have a fire under my butt right now over the whole Save Our Skies kind of coalition um, is <sighs> the Senate is actually going over the new Reauthorization Act, and essentially that does away with 336. And by the time we get formed as an official nonprofit, it could very well already have passed the Senate, and it could be already gone, you know, as an official law. So I, I really internally I'm struggling with wanting to do more because uh, time is of the utmost essence. If we're going to get in contact with senators and to try to build a presence on them, trying to you know protect 336 and possibly drop the FAA's uh, new rules. I mean, if the Reauthorization Act goes through, the FAA will have 120 days to create new rules for hobbyist UAVs. I mean, carte blanche. And if it goes through as it is now, we could lose a lot of what we currently fly with, which is without having remote ID and all the other good stuff. Um, So I guess that's... that's it's the a valid concern. Not. So, so as as an exercise, let's just walk through it. Let's just say today, we we file. Let's just say tomorrow, we are a nonprofit org. Okay, what what could we do in that time frame? Actually, uh, accomplish that directly contacts these senators and putting the pilots in contact with their senators to fighting weak sections that are being added with the reauthorization act that would give the FAA the power to create these new rules and regulations. So we can do that already, right? Well, we don't need to be an organization, uh, an official organization to do that. That's the argument that I hold, yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's others that say otherwise in the group. Um, Well, let's, let's talk about that. That sounds like an important point. Um, it's my understanding that no, you don't need to be an actual organization in order to contact, you know, your representative. However, I think that as a non-for-profit, you would be able to carry more weight in the, the conversation with your representation. Um, so, I mean, it, we easily, all of us from around here, we easily could like contact our own, you know, legislators and get them on board with what we are working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think something like that takes more of a champion of a campaign, you know, a campaign can be, that's, right. you know, that's nothing more, I don't want to minimize it, but it's, it's not easy to, to do a campaign, but it's not no. the, world either it's just a process of stuff that has to happen advertisements quote unquote made for the campaign a message branding all that good stuff but, right. yeah, yeah 
well it's just now all, all of that definitely becomes more costly and um and even you know the strategy behind it you know who's who's building that do they have a proven track record um right you know that's uh so that's where it gets more complicated but if we if we want to do more of an organic movement you know we can do that right now and that's kind of more of what i'm talking about because honestly we have three months <laughs> mm -hmm. this bill is passing it's it's going to happen and if we don't start you know at least getting this out there in the mind space of senators and other people that have the ability to make amendments then uh it's going to be written in stone before we're written in stone and at that point, we're going to be playing a very offensive game because we're going to have to basically fight back for the rights that we had and lost. Which, you know, telling you another social like, movement, it's really hard to do that. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have a well, comment, too. Go ahead. Uh, uh, my name's Dan Lundmark. I'm in, in L.A. But, yeah, I, I was going to mention that um, is, are there other organizations that already have, um, you know, like, I know there's AMA, but also... Some of the racing groups, like I don't know, DRL or some of the local ones that have nonprofits, or that we could gather together, like a as part of a coalition, I guess. Uh, not, I mean, drone user group, maybe. I get well. To what end? I guess. What's the well, I think that there would be stakeholders too, uh, as far as um, FPV pilots, and um, you know, a lot of the racers, like the different leagues and things. I'm not a racer; I fly freestyle. But I'm just, I'm thinking that you know, they would want to be a part of uh, making their voice heard. I've been thinking of those type of groups as partners. Right. I just right. want to say. Like, how do we all partner, you know, like, I know we're doing, uh, we're talking now as uh, in this group, but, you know, are they, are they hearing, are, are they hearing this message too, or, or doing something about it? Like, are there others that are uh, creating uh, campaigns or, you know, do they have the it's legal? A, it's a great question. And in fact, on our list of uh, tasks that we could be doing now is actually documenting those or networking with those and at least filing a, like a, a Rolodex or a contact list group so that when we do go to reach out to them, we have their numbers and contacts or emails. And we, we have a list of who they are, what they are. So that's, that's, that's the biggest question is we don't know. I mean, the, the community is so fragmented. It has little pockets out there of people everywhere. There's no master list. Um, and that's something that we could be doing uh, researching and networking right now. Yeah, I mean, um, I can tell you my approach um and you know one other thing well hey it's nick um from nick Medincia. um i'm really honored to, to be on this call with with chad and and squishy and zoe and everyone um one other thing we could consider i wanted to just sort of throw out there would be like a uh, a petition on like a petition site potentially um with just a form letter send to yes. like senators or congressmen like something on change yes gets it you know and throw up like you know some photos of drone education um you know maybe chat if you have some really cool cool photos of uh, people from motorite teaching you know quad camp or whatever like with kids 
Um, well, what, what you're us, talking about them. is what he mentioned, the strategy, right? So if you yeah, guys are going to exactly. form a campaign, that's a piece of the strategy that you would then, um, you know, design and then implement and, and go from there. But I would say you'd form a team, you create those strategies, kind of propose it to the coalition and be like, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. Does it change anything in the permanent long-term plans, really? Does it lock us into anything? Probably not. So it'd be yeah. fine to just do it, but you have to find who, who's going to code the website, who's going to, because you can't just do it in a vacuum. You have to come up with a strategy and a plan and kind of show it so we all know we're all on the same page and then and then find the manpower to do it in in the vacuum of resources, right? There's no resources at this point. So yeah. if you do, you have to be doing it with for free, you know? Yeah, and I think that would be an interesting thing to do, sort of, you know, quickly, so to speak, just to get some non-endemic people. Actually, um, it reminds me of something that we used to do in the Army called the Advanced Party. Uh, before any large divisions or whatever went off into the field, they always sent out one little platoon of people to the field to secure it, right? That's kind of what we can do here. We can set up an Advanced Party with motivated individuals who want to get this stuff done right now and let them loose. You, I was going to insert a witty comment, but I have anything witty to say. But I'm down for getting some stuff done. I think creating one of those generic, so if you like created a generic letter to lawmakers, right? You'd have to get somebody to write it, do some wordsmithing, you know get Chad or whoever else to approve it and then have somebody code a website that sends it to their corresponding representative. I don't know how easy that is. It doesn't sound so easy. So I, I have a friend, Woop Tang, who's uh, here in Monterey and that's his day job. He does nothing but creates websites, social media campaigns to automatically contact their senator, auto-dial them. Um, so... He's he's down to throw in that resource to the coalition, and to offer it at cost. Essentially, what his provider pays for bandwidth hosting. And see, that's where like the nonprofit status comes to be interesting, is because yeah. obviously who, whoever does that could write their time off, you know. Yeah, that definitely helps. Um, the the number. So I. In developing any effective campaign or, you know, building a business or, or whatever it is, um, I have a, a pretty strict methodology that, that I function within. And it's, you know, picking the goal and laser focusing all efforts on achieving that goal. So then that can be leveraged, you know, to the next be cautious of um you know we could say oh okay i know a guy that does a website or can do a website a guy that can do a logo and here's a really good writer um favors to me are are like you know it's like money um so if you waste those favors you know it's it's or waste the money it's you're wasting resources um they're great if they have a clear mission that they're accomplishing, um, which means you got to have that campaign. Who's championing it? You know, 
The mission, in my opinion, is uh, the removal of 343's uh, uh, Section D, which is stating the remote identification remote pilot aircraft. And then Section 344, which is the FA, which gives the FA carte blanche to create new rules for hobbyist drone use, which is separate from the um, hobby drone or hobby aircraft use that uh, is covered in Section 343. Um, so essentially, it creates its own blanket rules for our drones, whereas planes and RC helicopters and the rest of the RC airplanes do not have to play by them. Um, and that okay. rule set especially is going to be created by the FAA, and we have no ability to comment on it. Okay, so the very first step, in my opinion, would be to, okay, propose what we want, get an agreement from the majority of the group of what we want to see happen. And Zoe, you've been closer to this and had, have had more conversations. What, what do we want to happen? Well, and this is the biggest thing is that in my opinion, it's the removal, especially right now, because I believe they're already removing Section D of 343, which is the remote identification of hobby aircraft. But still, they have Section 344, which is the basically replacement of Section 336. Once they get rid of 336, 334, or 3, 334 comes into place, and that is um, what creates the new rules and regulations for hobby aircraft especially just our drones. Um, so essentially just removal of Section 344. Um, that's it. Reauthorization Act as is with Section 344 removed. So is there anybody opposed or uh, in the group that you that has expressed they don't feel that's the best solution? The only members expressing any um, rejection to anything like this are commercial uh, bias. Uh, our okay. networks with the other lobbying groups are the only ones. Okay, so good. So now we've identified what needs done. Okay, now a campaign, a marketing campaign is one way to combat that. I think before we decide and start running down that path, we gotta say, okay, well, what are the other ways that that can be accomplished? And this is where, um, you know, I want to help direct this energy. I don't, I, I, I don't expect to be in a position where I'm coming up with these answers. Um, my, my job is to help facilitate this as most effective, the most effective way. You're volunteering to hurt the cats. How can yes. <laughs> right. So I'm going to try very hard not to have a lot of personal opinions, but to run our mission, you know, forward and make sure that that is effective. Hmm. I think personally, the, the quickest, I mean, the quickest thing we can do is get an organized campaign together to <laughs> representatives in form that may be. I mean, that's the easiest and quickest way. But the, the problem is, is getting all these pilots from all these different groups and and from the community as a whole to come together and accomplish that and 
getting that message out and getting people to respond to it, I think is the hard part because a lot of people think that, you know, with, with whatever regulation comes out, they're just going to do what they do. And the problem is, is, you know, that's, that's the mentality of a lot of FPV pilots. And we need to change that mentality because, you know, at, at a certain point, I think the FAA or the, they're going to empower the local law enforcement to really um, enforce those rules and regulations. And, and a lot of people are going to find themselves in a place of hurt, but we need to figure out a way to inspire these people to take some action. So, well, um, you know, I call oh. it uh, just real quick. Can I call it awareness campaign? Is that the best description of that solution? Absolutely. Education and awareness. Definitely. That's, that's definitely in the education arena where we'd be looking inward at the culture and trying to get everybody on board. Okay. Okay, what's another solution? Well, I, I sort of think an interesting solution with a blend of PR and possibly legal here um, could be lobbying for or giving people a mechanism to respond to the FAA preemption. Um, or in other words, uh, states, municipal, and tribal governments making you know, drone laws that they're not permitted to make, um, such as that drone registration in North Carolina. Uh, and I think that could be an interesting, you know, vehicle because it's more or less blatantly illegal right now for uh, these organizations to do. So I think that could be an interesting vehicle. And obviously, you know, uh, you know, being an FPV pilot, you know, we've seen a lot of variance. I've seen a lot of variance in how drone laws imposed here, you know, in Houston. Um, so I think that could be an interesting problem uh, to solve for the community. Okay. No, and that, that's absolutely a, a, a valid solution. Um, an expensive one, most likely, but very valid. Um, what are, Travis, is solution? one of your biggest fears about any campaign is really hanging our shingle out before we had a chance to think about hanging our shingle out. Well, yeah, my biggest fear about a, a campaign is that's what I've done for 20 years. And um, everyone thinks that it's easier than it is. Um, campaigns are very, very expensive. And um, I've worked with so many, my, my background is, is video marketing, um, but which meant I was the video arm to many, many agencies. Um, and what I found are about nine out of 10 agencies are, <laughs> I'll just say a scam. Um, so, so that means they're, they're better at, at getting your money from you than actually creating an effective campaign. So that means we have to find that one person out of 10, you know, that is also willing, you know, to, to work on something like this um, and truly make it effective. And typically you find those people by their track record, but that's the problem. The ones that are truly effective aren't available. Um, so campaigns scare me because they're really, really hard. Um, so I hope, hope I answered that. You know, and that leads to an interesting question in my mind, at least, which is, you know, what is our, our sort of concrete goal, uh, you know, for FPVFC is our concrete goal to, in the long run, really here, you know, you know, one to three years, you know, is it to be, you know, a heavy hitting lobbying group like AMA or is it to be more of a grassroots, you know, sign this petition and let's keep this going, you know, and, and personally, I, I feel a little confused about what our goals are at this point. So I don't, what, what do you guys think? 
Well, that, that's been discussed early on. Education is the hardcore concrete one because that's the thing that we can do no matter what. And I honestly believe it's the biggest impact. Um, so it's everything from you know, creating educational materials for regulations and, and laws and rules. Um, but also uh, I would like to see us be a uh, community-based organization where we create a set of guidelines so there's not only one CBO to choose from um, because this is to be laser focused on FPV. So the confusion comes from there, you know, there's a lot of people already involved in, in our ragtag group and uh, they're all gonna have something slightly different they want from it. But, uh, you know, I can tell you that uh, from its inception, um, you know, the, the most active members, we've all agreed that education is gonna be a very powerful, um, effective, uh, tool or not just the tool, but the result, um, it'll help the hobby and the industry grow. So was that, did I answer you, Nick? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, um, I think education is a key component. So thanks. Yep. So uh, education awareness campaign, lobbying, um, what's, what's another, another way that this can be addressed? Zoe, any other thoughts from you? I mean, when I, when I hear about or think I have my new reauthorization now. So it's, and we're going to be educating for a while, most likely. And my opinion, and the first bit of it is just on what's going on with the Reauthorization Act and getting pilots to be more known about it. I know there's other organizations that have already started to speak out about Section 336 getting repealed, essentially. And uh, I know I've read articles on flight test, on get FPV, on a few other websites. And you know, there are the, the idea of getting that information out there is there. One, when pilots hear about what's going on, they genuinely care about what's going on. The issue is, is that information really just hasn't been getting out there as much as it needs to be. I propose, if we are to actually go for it, basically create a basic script explains exactly what's going on with section 336 essentially getting replaced and implementing section 344 just giving them a one-page outline of what's going on and then essentially getting that out to every known video vlogger slash fpv pilot that's known and ask them hey this is what's going on here's what you can do to help and what you can do to help is essentially make a video, make a post, anything that relates to talking about Section 336 and Section 344 of the new Reauthorization Act. But just getting the message out there because, and then on top of that, give a call to action at the end of the message, which is click this link to contact your senators, click this link to get you know information on who to call and give these people a very basic script of what they can do 
to make a difference because a lot of pilots want to make a difference and they want to be able to make actually affect change but they don't have a pathway that's easily visible to them to do that so the in my opinion creating that pathway which is not too difficult and just promoting that as far and wide as we can and with little resources essentially which is grassroots going to the pilots talking about these issues even going overseas going to andy rc's and um Bruce and all those, you know, good cats. Um, poking some of the DRL pilots, poking some of the DR1 pilots. I mean, it's it's a universal issue that affects a lot of us. And I know other countries will take heed what the United States government's doing, um, as least policy goes. So, you know, if we start banning or at least cramp, uh, crimping down on these hobby drones, then other countries will probably take suit. So I, I think it behooves everyone to get on that page of protect our skies. <laughs> and there's ways mm -hmm. we can do it. Sorry for being long-winded, but I've been thinking. No, Zoe, that's not, that was, that was very well articulated. And I, um, I think, yeah, so far, essentially that's another version of the campaign, but you're talking about an organic awareness campaign, um, which I believe, honestly, that's the most doable right now. And we don't need to, you know, have a, uh, we don't need to be official yet to accomplish this. Um, however, I think you, I would identify you as the champion because you're the most, uh, you speak the most passionately about this. Um, I would gladly um, help direct your energy. Um, and what I mean by that is I can, I can help, um, make each step the most effective it can be um and and how you do that <laughs> yeah and 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 how you do that is um and and i'm gonna sound pessimistic towards humanity here for a minute but i'm not it's just it's just <laughs> i'm already pessimistic um, towards humanity so go for it <laughs> people um look at everything or just just take it to an extreme and it'll be more effective but just imagine that people are are greedy and selfish and want to know what's in it for them and they are lazy and they don't want to have to do much so if you if you take it to that extreme then you hit the lowest common denominator and you become you you design something that's highly effective with for all people um so what you want to do is you say well first off you want to explain the problem as simply and concisely as possible um which you're you're doing a pretty good job verbally but but even even more so, pretend you're explaining it to a ten year old. Um, so so one, keep refining that pitch of here's the problem. Then you want to be just as easily and quickly or concisely and quickly, you want to explain the solution. And then you want to explain by you doing these steps or doing this thing, this is how it benefits you directly. Um, and then, give them a treat <laughs> you know it's like a dog you know every time they do something you you get a, a treat well obviously we can't afford to, to pay everybody a treat but there can be a creative way of of doing that i don't know what it is but maybe um maybe we go to um retailers or manufacturers first and say hey 
if we get people on board to do this, can they get a discount in your store or something like that? And and you just start kind of at the top and, and work the way down as far as like, you know, manufacturers, influencers, retailers, and get buy-in at, at the narrow, you know, kind of the, the heaviest hitters first, and then just start working your way down, but with the design for the lowest common denominator. Um, something like that could very, I don't want to say easily, anything easy is usually effective, um, but I, I do believe it could be very effective um, if it's done right and there's enough energy behind it. Because um, I can tell you, Zoe, I can hear it in your voice, and that just makes me want to give you 100% of what I can contribute to it. So. Um, so I I will back you on that if you're willing to say, hey, I'm going to see this campaign through. Heck to the yeah. No, I'm going to see that through. I have something that's been on my mind. I can't help but think about it. So, yeah. No, that's good. I'd really um, like, uh, just like what you guys are doing now, just how Chad is helping you with the strategy and, and, and going through it. Um, I would uh, really like to just see transparency throughout the process so that we bring the coalition along. They're aware of what, what all, just like you, we, we start at home, right, with our awareness. Um, and then we, we keep the doors open to all the meetings and your thoughts and what we so, do going forward. On that, um, I just got to say personally, it's been really a struggle to follow everything going on. Um, we like com many conversations notes will be made and the notes are helpful because you know at least it gives me an idea of what's been said but as far as like organizing stuff and keeping track of things it's a bit of a pain in the butt um i really think we need to move to something like trello or what another application that allows us to keep track at least to me personally i'm willing to move to trello and make every little thing that i'm doing open so people can see what i'm doing and what actions i want to take and then you can even leave comments on those actions and be like, don't do that, Zoe. That's stupid. What do you think? Well, I, think, I, think what you're seeing, I think what you're seeing is really like the symptoms of our lack of structure, finalized structure, right? Because even if we go and put it all in Trillo right now, it's just chaos, right? There's no – we haven't had it all laid out officially. So I think that's just – that's well, we're I was, all dealing I was with just saying more from like – let's say like, for example, I, I'm thinking about if a project I'm doing For instance, in Trello, I could one nodule. It's just essentially who to contact, which is gathering a list of people to contact. You can contribute to that. Other people can contribute to that. The cool thing with that is you can see who's contributing what, and you can even vote stuff up with you know who you want or what you want to be worked on the most. Um, and it's just like I know personally, I can manage projects that way. I've managed other projects using programs like that, so it just inherently makes. I sense. use the big ones at work. I use like SharePoint and Oracle. Uh, like we check in and out code and stuff. It's crazy some of these collaborative apps. But I think some a lot of them cost money, like per user. Sometimes I think Trello's like pro version. I think cost per user, doesn't it? So we're like, uh, we can't well, really jump into one of these things until we have a way to pay for it, can we? The Trello one that I'm using is free for multiple. 
are are other people hearing people cut in and out or is it my connection i'm hearing it cut in and out as well yeah no zoe's okay. going in and out a lot okay so zoe i don't know if you know i don't know if it's your mic like a squelch or if it's the connection or, or what but you, you you cut in and out a lot so it's kind of hard to hear what you're saying i think it might be the squelch and um, you know oh. so real quick Zoe, you were saying about trello is there a a a cost effective version um yeah no, i mean you can pay oh, for pro users and the pro users will allow other free version of it works just Hey Zoe, you're it's cutting out even worse now. Yeah, um, microphone. If you, okay. If you watch so, your icon, you can see it. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm gonna watch my icon while I talk and get used to this. Okay, now that I can think, think about this, the Trello is free to use. They have a pro version where you can add features, but as far as the free version, it works fine. Have you seen that same page app that we were checking out this week? Because I tried out a, I tried out about five of them including uh, Trello and then this other one, same page, which was like totally free. But it had all in their totally free one, they had like all the pro features plus more, right? It was pretty crazy. But it was a lot easier for me to use in Trello. I couldn't figure out how to use Trello. And for me, it was difficult. I mean, there's definitely a bit of a um, learning curve to Trello, for sure. There's a learning curve to all those softwares. And realistically, it's it's... It's kind of basically you want to have accountability for stuff that I might be doing or want to do. And we really need to work around a way to do that. And one of the only ways I really know of doing that is with some of these project management software that's available on the internet. So take a look at uh, take a look at same page for me, Zoe, if you can. Give it a serious consideration. Let me know your feedback on it. Yeah, I'll poke around with it today. I had never heard of it. Uh, Stymie, I guess, found it and showed it to me. And it was it's actually pretty cool. I actually have a couple of little projects to organize, so I could actually try giving that a shot with the uh, same page. My, my thinking is if we're going to invite the community of FPV pilots to join the conversation, we need to kind of make it easy for them because, like Chad says, they're lazy and greedy and all these other things. Oh, and so so, yeah, having, uh, <laughs> Please don't tell us. No, I, like, I won't quote you. I believe that. I Trello um, originally, when I saw it, was used by game companies to allow uh their fans and um players to interact with the developers to vote on features that they wanted as the game so companies structured companies have been using trello for a while for community-based management um uh integration so it's definitely out there I'm, i haven't tried same page i'm gonna give that a shot but uh Overall thing is what, we what I liked about it was it was um, it was easy. Like I logged into it and I knew what I was looking at. Like I, I saw how it was divided and where the tasks were and how to upload pictures and like I knew how to do all that immediately. Super easy. So but, I, ideally, let me let me say something real quick, Zoe. I I agree. Like I I've been here since the beginning and I I get lost in our notes. Like we've got Google Docs, we have pinned stuff, we have a Facebook group. Like it's just. It, it is. It's really hard, you know, to to stay up on everything and find anything. Um, and I, I more than the actual software, I think we need an individual that is willing to be kind of the admin and say, "Hey, I'm going to." So, 
So it's not that it's, yeah, it's not that it's kept right the first time, but there's somebody we can go to and be like, Hey, this is hard to find. And then they're, they're like, okay, well I'll readjust that and we'll do it this way or something. But, but somebody owns that responsibility then. Um, I don't know if that person is on this in this voice chat or how we find that person. I can tell you it's it's not me. Um Stymie, Stymie was doing yeah, a good Stymie job on her first really day. Good. Yeah, no, she's she'd be the one I'd recommend. Okay, she then sort okay. of just naturally did it. Nobody asked her, so it was kind of nice to have somebody that wanted to. Okay. Well then maybe uh we can recruit her. Do you think uh she would be I haven't officially met her yet. Uh do you think she will uh stay involved and, and it would be something she would be up for? We'll ask her. We'll find out. All right. Okay. Yeah. So let's do that. So, because I can tell you that oftentimes in my own companies, we've chased different solutions and we've used practically all these, not same page, but we even have a Trello account. Um, and what happens is we keep chasing these software solutions when it really comes down to a role. It, you know, it comes down to somebody needs to own that responsibility. Um, and typically that person, I will let choose the tools they want to use because they're ultimately the one responsible for it. So if you guys are on board with that methodology, I think we, we find the person, you know, and we can do that now. Again, we don't have to have an you know, legal structure in order to, to make that happen. Um, if we find software and there's a cost, I'm, I'm willing to cover certain costs, but not you know, $5 a head for hundreds of people. Um, so let's, uh, Sean, Zoe, can you guys help me help us uh, find that person? If it is tiny, it'd be great. Yeah, I'll talk to her and see if we can't. Um, it's basically, we need somebody to come up with a strategy for how to, yeah, to, to look at it from a holistic point of view, where we're going to file everything, how we're going to file it, how we'll keep all the information. Well, and and I'm even more so than the strategy. I'm I'm more interested in just somebody that's willing to own it, hell or high water. You know, just okay. somebody that says I will own this responsibility of organizing information. That's going to have to be somebody who's available quite often for everybody too. Well, yeah, probably, but let's or just say let's organize the information in a way that's available for everybody. Well, yeah. I mean, if somebody came in once a week and organized everything once a week, it it might not be you know, optimal, but it would help a lot. So, well, like what Josh is doing now, how he's done the, the three, I think we've done what three updates, unofficial mm -hmm. updates. We try to do them regularly at least, but he's yeah. kind of boiled down all the notes. So we threw everything at him and he's, he's kind of, he's been acting as a scribe, I guess you would say, but mm -hmm. he hasn't really taken on any kind of document management at all. So that's, that's right. Another, and I yeah. think that's what we're talking about is, is, um, yeah, like document management is probably a good way of putting it. I mean, in the absence of, of Stymie, um, I, whether she's willing to do it or not, I can either, you know, back her up on any of that kind of stuff or, you know, if she's unable to do that. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty much always in the chat in one form or another. So I'm willing to jump in and help out with that in whatever regard as well. Oh, that's well, I think that's what I was trying to kind of say is like as the scribe, you're kind of close to it no matter what. <laughs> you kind of got stuck there. Okay, so um, 
Zoe, did we uh, did we complete our thought with you? Where, where are you at right now in your mind as far as um, what we've been talking about? That I have some candy in my mouth and speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 I think that cover was out initially because eventually got to get Stymie or someone else on board to do um, information management. But as far as me. Moving forward, I'll just create a Google Doc page that is, you know, editable and allows people to essentially add to or remove what I'm doing, what I'm working on, and kind of organize everything I'm doing in one spot. That way there's oversight on what I'm doing and you guys can also give me insight. And if I'm also going to change something or do something else, I'll run it by the group before I do that. Um, but for now, until we have an official structure for me to be able to do stuff, I need to be able to organize and move forward, kind of. <laughs> I'll, I'll help no, you I with that, it. Zoe. That's uh, it, in, in the state and in like public uh, workforce, we call them problem statements. So you kind of you put together your, you know, you outline the problem, basically, that you're identifying, and then you propose a solution. But you can put it, you can put it in a form that everybody sees it and understands exactly what you're doing. That is the plan. All right. Um, where did, hold on, I'm going back to my notes here. Um, okay, so I know we've bounced around a little bit and um, and I have to apologize. I'm, I have to go in about six minutes. Wow, time flies. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Hi, is that a, is that a drink? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, but it it's fun. Um, oh, you know what? Okay, I think I, I think I've kind of up, updated everybody on, on kind of where where I'm at right now. Um, and there is one thing that while I had a, a collection of people, I wanted to bring up, and this might might go off the rails because um, I don't know what everybody thinks about this. Do um, not get sideburned. Yeah, do not go with sideburns, okay? Just don't do it. <laughs> so, so flying without a spotter, <laughs> I, I personally would like to fight for a way that it's possible to fly without a spotter. And I'm curious on what everybody thinks of that. I think there should be a way to fly without a spotter. I, so I, I brought I brought it up and I fought this battle with um, some of our full scale pilot friends, and and as much as they would love to fight, like make it a point of contention, they don't think it's a battle that we should fight. Um, just simply because of a lot of things that they outlined in aviation safety, whatever for me. Uh, but we can get Nathan Wittigren to speak to it. He's somebody that, who can make the point for us. Um, he's somebody who really wishes we could fight for it, but he agrees that we have to keep it. So well, there is I, some people that could, that could talk to it. Now, I do want to explain my thought behind it. I believe the biggest hindrance to growing our hobby, you know, the fear of regulations, the fear of, you know, what might happen and, and if they're going to get in trouble or if they're doing it wrong, because most people are willing to follow rules. Um, so if you think about it, 
going out and flying by yourself, one is a little less stressful because you don't have somebody there potentially laughing at you. Um, you know, but two, it's just logistically easier. Um, so I do believe that that one piece can be hindering our hobby probably at a higher percentage than anything because most new people are thinking, oh, who am I going to get, you know, to go out with me every time I want to fly? Um, so that's my thought process behind it um, is, well, currently most people most likely are going out you know, probably their first time in flying alone, but then there's going to be a lot of people that aren't even going to be willing because they're afraid they're breaking a rule. I mean, so that's, that's my there, reasoning behind it. You could argue that in FPV, we have better wish. Oh, Zoe, we lost you again. Ah, let me just look into the microphone, press it a little bit. Okay, there we go. Um, so, the biggest, uh, um, I guess, argument for being able to fly without a spotter is that we have potentially better situational awareness when we're flying in FPV than if we're looking at line of sight. Um, just from the mere fact that we see the machine from the machine's point of view, we see what's coming up on the machine from its point of view, and we don't have to worry about depth perception or anything else getting in the way of us being able to tell what's going on with the machine. Um, any line of sight pilot, I know there's some really great ones that can fly 3D helis up into the sky, hundreds and hundreds of feet away, breaking the 400 feet rule. But um, realistically, to have accurate um, kind of control of the aircraft, I honestly believe an FPV pilot has more control of the aircraft and has more awareness of what's going on than someone that's not. The only thing you do not have awareness of is your situational awareness of your body. Um, I think it's a bit, especially in the parks that around where I live, there's only one park where I'd feel comfortable actually flying without anybody. Um, and pending that, I think it's kind of a safety thing to have someone there with you flying. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's, there, yeah, there's absolutely a lot of variables. I guess what I'm talking about is, um, more, more the principle around it. Cause I, I, I'm not saying fly you know the people should be able to fly alone and anywhere anytime with anything i'm saying that uh for a newcomer i'm i'm purely looking at growing the hobby i'm saying if somebody new wants to get into this what is the most inviting path for them and well maybe maybe there's uh maybe there's like a a middle ground we could have the rules stating that if there's nobody within 200 feet of the pilot, the pilot can fly within a feet of themselves without a spotter. Um, well, I think like what you could do, honestly, for that, like what we could lobby for in terms of uh, having a spotter is just try to have a weight limit on at what point you need a spotter if you're flying FPV and possibly yes. set that weight limit to where maybe if you're flying above a five inch quad, you know, so six inch to X class, you need a spotter, which, you know, honestly makes a little bit more sense. That essentially exists right now with the weight class of 250. Yeah, but that, that I mean, 250, you know, it's the lower limit that I think what I would like to see us, us go for. I, I, I like the, the five-pound line myself. I, I never see it identified, but five pounds, I think. And this is where I differ. I think the 100-gram quadcopter should be the limit as a toy because 
at a 250 grams, I can get a 250 gram quad up to 90 miles an hour and screw your day up real good. But a 100 gram quadcopter, no matter what happens, that thing is most likely not going to cause anything to go wrong. I mean, I've flown my 100 gram setups into myself and other people, and they laugh it off. Um, so it sounds like there's really I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of three different aspects to this conversation. Really, is the one the first one is the one that Chad brought up, right? It's a real holistic view. He's looking at it like this is a hindrance to industrial growth, right? And for beginners and things like that. But it doesn't necessarily take into consideration the safety conversation you you guys are having, nor does it take into consideration what the FAA is actually thinking, right? So the FAA is thinking on this subject a certain way. And they may be thinking that there's no way that you're you're never you're never going to do FPV without a spotter because you situational awareness for unexpected things, right? <clears throat> so we really got to think about what leeway do we actually have with them? I mean, if there's no leeway here at all, then there's no way to trace Chad's point to actually fight it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and real quick, just to explain where I'm coming from, again, this is the offense. It's saying we want to accomplish something, and this needs to be handled. Because if we come at something from the safety perspective, as far as safety for safety's sake, we're just going to paint everybody into a corner. But if we say, hey, this is – I mean, think about cars. You know, when cars were first invented, they thought everybody was going to die, you know? and. Yeah. You know, well, I see, I see things that kills people every year. I mean, cars are killing. I, I picture like a line of sight beginner pilot, right? Which like, imagine like a flight test line of sight park flyer with foam board and hot glue and popsicle sticks. He's going to go out to the, the, the local park or the ball field, just like a FPV pilot would. But they don't know how to fly. They're going to be flopping around. I was there once, right? I crashed into every tree in the park. And I, I didn't, I was never flying FPV. So I'm still just as dangerous. Right. So there's right. there's lots of things to talk about. You need to gather all the safety statistics and everything and differentiate FPV pilots from all these other possible risks and kind of show where they lie, you know, realistically in the grand scheme of things. But you have to kind of prove it and show it. There's right. nothing yeah, really to prove it or show it right now. We don't have those hard line statistics. Yeah, but that's what we could be researching and gathering on right now. And, no. and, and we're doing it from a new perspective, right? The AMA has gathered these statistics in the past. They've done all this work, but they're doing it from an aero modeling perspective, not specifically FPV. Um, and there's other uh, user groups as well, right? The ultralight guys and the rocket guys. They all probably have statistics on their operational safety, right, over the years, same as AMA. But no one's ever began that process for FPV. So that's sort of our job to begin that. Okay, so, yes. you know, I mean, part of it is, is is going along the research lines is we need some scientific data to back some stuff up. So, you know, we need some scientific calculations on how much force something 500 grams or, or five pounds creates at going a certain speed. You know, they, they've already done a lot of that, the okay. military studies. Okay. You know, put some put some proposals together. So, you know, we need to say, okay, so we don't want to fly with a spotter. These are the these are the reasons why, and then you know these are the these are the ways that we can go about it. Whether it's rural only areas where there's no expectation of people invading, or if it's a weight class, or if it's a speed class, or a combination of all three, you know. And then we need to poke holes in it, you know. So I think the biggest thing is is coming up with a proposal on what we want, and then 
gathering the facts to support it or change it. And I mean, one thing that I think might be worth saying here is that, I mean, from as early on as we are here, is it may be wiser just concentrate all of our efforts on on the biggest thing here, obviously, which is 336, and worry about some of these smaller fruit later on. But, you know, I know a lot better than I do what grows the sport and what doesn't. Well, yeah. so I could be wrong, but as a CBO, we get to define our own rules. And it's within our own group to decide whether or not we want to have spotters. It's not an uphill battle about redefining anything with the FAA. Um, so, yeah, it, it, to a certain extent, yeah, you are correct. And that's that's the idea of creating a, a CBO. Um, but it obviously still has to be within the FAA guidelines and rules. But here's the interesting thing. We can um, go to the FAA and try to get waivers for certain things. And if we get that waiver and we function legally because we have the waiver, we can collect the data during that time, then use that data to take it even further. So it's, you know, these are things that we can do and it's going to take time. You know, this is where um, I think, again, we, it's, it's nothing more than a little bit of creative you know, structuring and, and, uh, and education. And we can, we can do a lot with that. You know, it's, uh, it's what I get excited about once we can kind of get the structure in place and, and, and keep moving forward. Yeah. Well, I'd like to point out that like our, our immediate needs, like three, three, six and, and all of these other things that we'd love to react to right now and, and tackle like the, the right way. Right. Like if we're a fully functioning, mature, organization but like we don't have that yet so what we we really should maybe refocus and put a lot of our efforts into the creation of the organization i know that we want to go and uh, uh, attack all these external problems right now but it's sort of how we're going to do it is by looking inward and strengthening the organization first so that we can tackle those things effectively so, so sean that's very well put. And, and I, I do agree to some extent, but I also, if Zoe's like really, you know, hot on this and feels like she can make a difference. Um, what I'm saying is my time right now, I'm telling you is going towards legal and getting this foundation in place. Now, if in my ancillary time or whatever resources I've access to, I can support somebody like Zoe, you know, moving forward on something I will. So we can move those in parallel but my personal time is going to go to the foundation of, of this. Does that make sense? No, oh, got it. And I think, and I think Zoe is on track. I think she understands yeah. what, uh, you know, how to check and balance herself against uh, the rest of the membership here. I mean, I'm yeah, doing it not for myself. I'm doing it so we can all keep flying. <laughs> like, no, absolutely. <laughs> thing. There's, there's, there's multiple things that we can all do to, to contribute exactly. to that. You know, we're, and, all, we're all good at different things, and, and everybody like may find themselves, you know, up to bat at different points in time. And, and if you, if, if you're ready to go, and what you, you know, you, if you see that you can be effective now, then we need to do it. Right. So um, I'm, I'm past my deadline here. I already missed my call. So I got to get going, guys. But um, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to this. So um, and I like this kind of informal conversation right now, because I think there's still a lot of feeling out of, 
you know, getting to know one another and, and, and starting to, it's stuff we can do right now while we are informal. So, so thank you everyone. Uh, thanks. Awesome. Chad. Thanks so much, Chad. All right. We'll, we'll talk uh, next week. We'll try to get another time uh, locked down here. Okay. All right. All right thanks. See you, Chad. Thank you. Uh -huh, bye. Thanks everybody. So, uh, I want Zoe, before you go, um, feel free to schedule your own meetings. If you want to gather some minds together and do your own stuff in here, I, people are free to schedule meetings and drop in this thing in whenever they want to. So we don't no, just always have to wait for Chad. I am 100% down. I've got plans that I want to include everyone on and just essentially stuff that we can do now to helpfully get the ball rolling so that we have a chance at saving 336 because Hell yeah. the more I research it and the more I look into it, the more we are on time when it comes to actually having any chance of affecting it before it passes um, the Senate. Oh, yeah. In, in reality, we should have got started on this about a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Like we're, <laughs> we're months late to affecting change on 336 right now. We're, like, way behind the ball. And that's uh, – and you know what? And we should acknowledge it, and that's okay. And, and if it happens and we fail utterly on that particular battle, then we suck it up and we drive on to the next one, but we still move forward with what we're doing. Right. And, and the part of that, those people that will get educated by 336 and the rights that they have now and potentially might lose, those people will then be even more so wanting to protect their rights in the future when the organization's more solidified and we might have to fight that uphill battle to get more rights back in the hands of us as pilots. So <laughs> it'll be our crucifixion. <laughs> I, mean, I have to nail myself up to a post to save this fucking hobby. So be it. I'll set mine up right next to you, Zoe. <laughs> hey, instead of using a post, you. you can just use like an X rig. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh my God. Yes. A 1200 millimeter beast. And we can use giant carbon fiber splinters. Oh, geez. Yes. <laughs> I, I have the image in my head, and I want to... It's I a wonderful image. A photo. I kind of want to see someone do a rendition of Who's me on a cross with an X-Class rig. But um, anyways. I got some Photoshop skills. <laughs> I got you, Zoe. <laughs> I'm thinking you should do that. I got you. Uh, I'll find a video... I think, I think I know that there's a video, um, of you uh, kind of like holding your arms up, and I can get a photo of an X-class rig, and and then you maybe watch like the Passion of the Christ and get a screenshot of that. <laughs> <laughs> I got and then you. you could. I'm not saying you should do this, but what you could do is you could Photoshop like an FAA logo on the Roman's head. Oh my so, god, yes. Let's not piss off all the believers this week. I honestly think education-wise, we have to be able to make everything memeable. If we can't make it memeable, we're not going to be able to make it memorable for people to actually get behind and support. If you want it memorable, you make oh, it memeable. Wow. I mean, That's true. It's stupid, but it's the new No, it's not. That's the thing, is it's not. <laughs> Kids these days, like, you know, they just, you know, they remember things that are memes. Mm-hmm.